A description of Psalm chapter 2. The poem divides into four stanzas of three verses each. Verses 1 through 3 question why the nations, rulers, and peoples of the earth would rebel against God and His anointed one, Christ. Verses 4 through 6 picture God laughing, scoffing, rebuking, and terrifying earth's rebels for opposing Him in Christ. Verses 7 through 9 quote Christ as saying He is God's Son and He will crush earth's rebels. Verses 10 through 12 command the rebels to be wise, be warned, serve the Lord, and kiss the sun or be destroyed. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. We are in the poetry books of the Old Testament, and we're going to continue with Psalms right after this. Well, welcome once again to Connecting the Gap, a brand new episode coming your way this week as we get deeper into December, and we've been studying the prophecies of the Bible as we are working our way through to Revelation. It's a study by Damon Duck. I'm Daniel Moore, your host here on Connecting the Gap, and we're going to be getting into Psalms again here for this week here shortly. Uh, go to my website, connectingthegap.net, and the link is there for my podcast and my blog, also my YouTube channel, and my brand new Facebook page. You can go like all of those and follow those for notifications of when new material is posted. And please uh, do so and share and keep me in your prayers as we endeavor to continue bringing these Bible studies to you each week here on Connecting the Gap. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get into it for this week. And uh, as last week we were starting into Psalms, went through a whole bunch of prophecies and fulfillments that was spoken in Psalms and compared those with New Testament scripture. This week we're going to pick up in Psalm chapter 2. As I was reading there in the intro, the question is, why would people conspire against God and his anointed one, or Jesus? The prophecy is that there will be a great worldwide movement to discredit and destroy those who serve God and believe in Christ, that this movement will try to break the chains and fetters, or the laws, the truths, and the teachings of Christianity, throw them aside, and set up its own world government. God will laugh at this conspiracy, then he will scoff at it, then he will get very angry. Christ will establish a kingdom and rule the world on God's behalf. When the time comes, God will issue a decree, and his son will come and crush the rebellion. Christ is king. He will establish a kingdom and rule the world with a rod of iron. Society's rebellious unbelievers are going to be destroyed. J.R. Church was stated, God is determined to set his king upon his holy hill of Zion. That's a poetic name for Jerusalem. Messiah will establish a worldwide kingdom, be given the nations for his inheritance in the uttermost parts of the earth for his possession. He will come at the end of a series of great wars to break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. You can read about that in Psalm chapter 2, verse 9. The New Testament pictures the condition within the professing church at the end of the age by a system of denials. The first denial is the denial of God. The second one's the denial of Christ. Then there's the denial of Christ's return, denial of the faith, the denial of sound doctrine, the denial of separated life, the denial of Christian liberty, 
the denial of morals, and the denial of authority. David W. Brees was quoted, Religious liberalism, which denies the inspiration of the Bible, the deity of Christ, and other precious truths, is continuing to work in our world. Philosophies such as neo-orthodoxy are working their way into many of our churches. When leaders turn from the gospel to another heretical form of Christianity, it is not long before total deterioration sets in. In America, in our time, there are thousands of empty churches where once the gospel sounded, but now there is a haunting silence. An irre- irresponsibility has settled upon the minds of many who should be giving a loud and forceful presentation of the gospel. Apostasy, rebellion, and unbelief anger God, and in due time... He will deal with them. There's a few ways that world leaders are warring against God and His Son. The first way, the EU efforts to control faith groups, that's the European Union, and deny the mention of God in its constitution. Number two, efforts to restrict Christian evangelism in China, Egypt, and Israel, and other places. Number three, removal of prayer, Ten Commandments, and scriptures from American schools and public buildings. And number four, the United Nations' efforts to eliminate Christian teachings from its global ethic. The conspiracy of unbelievers against God and Jesus began with the persecution of Jesus and his disciples, and it will lead to a one-world government with a one-world religious system at the end of this age. In short order, the world will experience the tribulation period, the battle of Armageddon, which is the last and greatest war before the millennium, and the second coming of Christ. Jesus will judge the nations... The millennium will begin, the kingdom of righteousness will be established, and Jesus will rule with a rod of iron. Many of the Psalms contain prophetic references of Jesus doing battle with the wicked on earth during tribulation period. The rebellion of the Antichrist and his followers will be totally crushed. Here are a few verses that refers to that time during the tribulation period. These are some fast facts on the day of God's wrath. The first one is the nations will fall beneath his feet. That's in Psalm 45, 1-6. The second mentioned, there will be no mercy for the wicked. That's Psalm 59, 5-8. The enemies of Christ will cringe. That's Psalm 66, 3. The wicked will perish. That's Psalm 68, 1-2. And the proud will get what they deserve. That's Psalm 94, 1-4. In Psalm chapter 46, as we continue through Psalms, verses 6 through 11, it talks about a time when peace on earth becomes a fact. It states, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In this poem, the writer looks back on history to the tribulation period. He saw the nations in an uproar. War and rumors of war prevailed in many places. Mighty kingdoms fell. All God had to do was lift his voice and the flesh of his enemies dissolved. He won a great victory. Though the world was in turmoil, the God of Jacob, or i.e. the God of Israel, or Jehovah, protected his people, the remnant, or those Jews who are in a right relationship with God of Israel. 
the writer asks us to come and see the works of the Lord and the terrible blow he dealt to the wicked on earth. He used a great battle to bring an end to war, breaking the weapons of his enemies. The writer asks us to be calm and know God, to not fret over the turmoil in the world, to acknowledge what God can do, and to watch him do it. God will be exalted on earth, and he will protect his people. Ed Henson is quoted saying, Armageddon. The mere mention of it causes us to tremble. Armageddon is the ultimate biblical symbol for the great war at the end of the age. Its very name conjures up visions of global destruction, worldwide devastation, and indescribable human suffering. It is the war to end all wars. At the tribulation period midpoint, a remnant of Israel will flee Jerusalem. You can read about this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 6. Near the end of the tribulation period, a great war called the Battle of Armageddon will take place. That's in Revelation 16, 12 through 16. That will trigger the second coming of Jesus. He will win a great victory for God and deliver his people. This prophecy will be fulfilled in the future. Believers will be able to look back on the tribulation period and review what happened. We will understand that God used that terrible time to deal with the wicked on earth and to establish his kingdom here. The return of Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords is mentioned all through the book of Psalms. He will come with a great sword to deal with rebellion. He will also come with grace and mercy to deal with those who love him. The world needs such a man. It will think it has found him when the Antichrist arrives, but it will be greatly disappointed. Insight into the second coming of Jesus is given here in these few statements that I'm going to share with you now. These are fast facts on the glorious appearing of Jesus. This is during the second coming. The King of Glory is coming. You can read about that in Psalm chapter 24, 7 through 10. Psalm 53 through 5 mentions that Jesus will judge his people. Psalm 96, 10 through 13, Jesus will judge righteously. And fourth, Psalm 110, 1-7, kings and leaders will be crushed. In Psalm chapter 47, we continue on into Psalms. It says, O clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the joyce of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. This psalm presents a prophetic picture of an event that will take place on earth during the millennium. People on earth are encouraged to show exuberance, to clap, shout, and rejoice. Our king is awesome and great. He has subdued the nations, established his kingdom, and elevated Israel to a place of prominence in the world. He has occupied his holy throne amid shouting and trumpet sounds. Praises are given to him. He is king of all the earth. World leaders are gathered before him. Leaders of his people are there. Control of the earth is in his hands, and he is greatly praised. Every person on earth belongs to a kingdom. One is God's, and the other is Satan's. 
Ultimately, God's kingdom will prevail, and Satan's kingdom will be destroyed. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jewish leaders conspired against Jesus and had him crucified. Now world leaders conspire against him and try to break his chains. But he is king of the Jews and the king of all the earth. God has made him king of kings and lord of lords. And the day will come when he is established as absolute ruler over all things. The God who kept his promises by sending Jesus to the cross, by raising him from the dead, by reuniting Europe by bringing Israel back into existence, by causing the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt, will surely bring this to pass too. It will be like a bombshell exploding in the face of an unbelieving world. Jesus will reign, and he will be able to rejoice. This worship service will take place during the millennium. Its purpose will be to celebrate the things Jesus has done to accomplish God's will for the world. It will be a time of applause, song, and praise. The Psalms contain many prophetic snapshots of God's coming kingdom here on the earth. Victorious living will be the order of the day. The church will reign and the remnant of Israel will have much to celebrate. Here are some fast facts on Jesus as king during the millennium. In Psalm 22, 27-31, it mentions everyone on earth will turn to Christ. In Psalm 48, 1-3, Jerusalem will be the city of God. In Psalm 72, 1 through 20, righteousness will prevail. Psalm 93, 1 and 2, Jesus will reign. In Psalm 98, 1 through 9, it mentions Jesus as God's salvation. Psalm 105, 8 through 11 states God will remember his covenants. Psalm 132, 11 through 18 states the throne of David will be in Israel. And finally, in Psalm 147, 2 through 3, the Jews will return to Israel and Jerusalem. There are a few people that will live on earth during the millennium. The first group are the saved Israelites who are alive at the end of the tribulation period. The second group are the saved Gentiles who are alive at the end of the tribulation period. The third group are children born to saved survivors of the tribulation period during the millennium. The fourth group are the Old Testament saints who trusted God and looked forward to the coming Messiah. The fifth group are Christians who went in the rapture and returned with Jesus at his second coming. The sixth group, those who accept Christ and are killed between the rapture and the second coming. There are two groups that will not be on the earth during the millennium. The first group are all unbelievers who die before the second coming. The second group, all unbelievers who are alive at the second coming. Those people will be removed. As we finish up Psalms for this week and for this study, we're going to go on to Psalms 83 and talk about an evil alliance. This psalm is a prayer that seems to apply to end-of-the-age events now coming on the scene. It describes how the enemies of God are plotting against the people of God or the nation of Israel. It calls on God to curse and destroy them so he will be recognized and his name will be praised on the earth. In this prayer, God is asked not to be silent, quiet, or still. It is said that his enemies are busy conspiring against his people, that they want to destroy the nation of Israel. The enemies are identified as Edom, that's an area in ancient Jordan, the Ishmaelites, the descendants of Ishmael, or the father of many Arabs, Moab, an area in ancient Jordan, the Hagrites, their descendants of Hagar, Sarah's handmaid in Egypt, 
Gebal, which is a city in ancient Lebanon, Ammon, a city in ancient Jordan, Amalek, which are the descendants of Esau, Jacob, Israel's brother. They are residents of the Sinai Peninsula. Philistia, that's the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. Tyre, a city in ancient Lebanon. Assyria, an ancient empire including Syria, Iraq, and part of Egypt. And descendants of Lot, who is a nephew of Abraham. God is asked to make them dust, like a tumbleweed blown by the wind, to make them run as terrified creatures before a fire, to shame and disgrace them. He is asked to do this so they will know that he is God and he alone rules the earth. Some writers say this prophecy was fulfilled when Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 BC, but Egypt and Jordan didn't have anything to do with that. This combination of nations has never attacked Israel, but Israel came back into existence in 1948, and this combination of nations is conspiring against her today. They disagree on many issues, but they have attained broad agreement on their common goal to wipe out the state of Israel. The answer to this prayer requires widespread destruction in Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, the Gaza Strip, the Sinai Peninsula, and other parts of the Arab world. The clandestine and proxy wars waged against Israel, the terror attacks, and the Arab and Palestinian refusals to accept peace will eventually bring on the judgments of God. These peoples will be shamed and disgraced when that happens. You can read more about that topic in Isaiah 41, 8 through 11. Charles Half was uh, stated saying, The amazing thing about this prophecy is that it could never have been fulfilled into our present day generation. And why is that? Simply because Israel hasn't existed as a sovereign nation since the 8th century B.C., when the Babylonian oppression began, resulting with the captivity in 586 B.C. It was not until A.D. 1948 that a nation in the Middle East once again became known as Israel. The prophets actually foresaw the reestablishment of Israel as a nation in the last days. Arno Gabaline said, Behind it all stands the murderer from the beginning, that sinister being who knows that God's redemption program is inseparably linked with Israel, that salvation is of the Jews. And therefore he tries to cut them off as a nation so that their name be no longer remembered. That enemy also knows all about the glorious future promised to Israel. As the time approaches when that future is to be realized, the enemy will make the final assault. Then comes the supreme effort to exterminate the nation and blot out the name of Israel forever. The underlying causes of this prayer are now coming on scene. It will be answered because God will defend his people and his name. One purpose of the tribulation period is to deal with Israel's enemies. That's going to wrap up Psalms in this study on prophecies of the Bible. And it's also going to wrap up the books of poetry section. Next week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to be getting into prophecies in the, in the major prophets. And we're going to be starting in Isaiah as we come back next week here on Connecting the Gap. Again, go to my website, connectingthegap.net. And you can subscribe to my podcast, subscribe to my blog. My YouTube channel is also there as well. And my new Facebook page. Please go like on my Facebook page and share. And uh, we can together spread the word of Christ to those that have never heard of him possibly or maybe just don't believe as we continue through our Bible studies here on Connecting the Gap. Well, until next week, don't forget that God's word never fails us. God's word has stood the test of time. And through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap.